Brad Pitt. That's my favorite part of the show, Brad Pitt. So Brad Pitt is, I've been a fan of his for a long time, mostly because of his genetics and the way he can look 30 at the age of 60. It, it's just a crazy, crazy thing. Friends, don't let this man fool you. When Brad Pitt's name got brought up, Rory groaned a little bit. He was like, mm, mm. he's a little bit more than a fan. You're in love with him. I think you're attracted to him. That's Listen, okay. I'm a heterosexual male, but if I ever, I don't know, gun to my head, it's like you gotta you gotta dip your toe into the other world. I I feel like, you know, Brad would be a good transition guy for me. Transitioning like, over to what? What's what's on the other side of sexuality? That's what I mean. Like you, like if if I, you know, if I had a choice, I feel like I I, he's just so pretty. I mean. No, I get it, man. I get it. Like, I have so many women crushes, and I'm not ashamed of it. But we're going to figure out what makes Brad Brad outside of being insanely handsome, because there's some interesting stuff about his life that hopefully we can apply to our creative careers. But Rory's going to let us in on some secret info in this 60-second breakdown. His name's not Brad. William Pitt. (laughs) And now a 60-second career breakdown. William Bradley Pitt, born December 18, 1963, is an American actor and film producer. Pitt first gained recognition as the cowboy hitchhiker in the film Thelma and Louise in 1991. His first leading role in a big-budget production came with A River Runs Through It the following year. He gave critically acclaimed performances in the crime thriller Seven in 1995 and the science fiction film Twelve Monkeys the same year. For many years, he was cited the world's most attractive man by various media outlets and also my personal website. Pitt founded greater commercial success starring in Ocean's Eleven in 2001 and cemented his leading man status starring in blockbusters such as Troy and Mr. and Mrs. Smith in 2005. 2001, Pitt also co-founded the production company Plan B Entertainment, which sounds a lot like a birth control, but produced The Departed, 12 Years a Slave, and Moonlight, all of which won Academy Awards for Best Picture. So we were just, we were talking before we started and we, like when our last episode was Margot Robbie, who's also a brilliantly talented but also very beautiful person and we're like do we like is is she popular because she's beautiful but we discovered that's not the case she's a hustler she's a she's a got a lot under the surface which is contributing to why she is who she is and then we thought the same thing with brad it's like what makes this guy i mean let's face it if like you're in the acting world right if you see like two headshots and, and you see like Joe Schmo here next to William Pitt. Right. I, I don't know. Like, even if Joe Schmo is just a hair more talented, what are you thinking here? Yeah. I, I, when you were talking, I was thinking, I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way. Cause I count myself as one of these people, but you never see like really pretty people out in life. Like if you never see a Brad Pitt walking around, you never see a Margot walking around town. Like, I'm not saying it keeps them in the room, but they get snatched up and put in the room if they're that freaking gorgeous, I feel like. Do you ever go to Target and you're like, see anybody who looks like these people? I don't. Where do these people hang out? That's what I want. Why aren't I invited is what I want to know. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the deal. We're going to figure out what made Brad Pitt more than just a handsome man because there's something here and starting with his childhood he grew up in a very restrictive conservative christian home no good relationship with his dad and he kind of departed from his faith there and was really hungry to experience i guess the pharisee life (laughs) experience something different so he went to college dropped out studying journalism and moved to la 
to say he said he wasn't ready to settle down yet. He said he, want, he had a desire to be in the films because it was like a portal into different worlds for me. Mm-hmm. So do you think he was? Do you think he was escaping from real life, or is it just he wanted to try something new? I I don't know the answer. I, I'm wondering if us creative folks, because sometimes we say creative people come from bad backgrounds, but we see that's not always the, the truth. But maybe they come from bad or boring worlds, or is there something you're trying to escape in your regular life? that just draws you to all these different worlds? Because not everybody's like that. I would say his childhood was boring, but like he grew up in Missouri. So how excited could it be? Do you want to escape to different worlds? Is that why you're a creative? Is that why I'm a creative? No, I think it, I just get kind of called. It's one of the, you know, we've talked about it before where like if you're like these ideas come to you and you could either choose to ignore them or you could do something about it. And it's not something I could stop, unfortunately. So that's why I like to create things. I don't think I'm trying to escape from things, but if I if I get tunnel visioned into a project, then I can, it'll be like horse blinders. I could just weed out everything else that's around. I don't know what drew him to acting. I think in high school or something, he was in a some plays or in, in the drama team at, at high school. I'm sure he was told he was attractive like throughout his entire life, but he got a little bit of traction when he first went to L.A., was in some small little films, but he had some crazy ass jobs. Did he find uh, his jobs when he first moved there? No, I just know he did like a lot. He just got a lot of odd acting jobs, but what did he do for work? He drove one of his jobs. He drove strippers to parties that they were streaming. Yeah, he did. (laughs) And so apparently one of the strippers was taking acting classes and he went with her and that was kind of like the history. Like that's how he learned acting. He Went with the stripper. He said a stripper changed his life. Okay, well, he got his ass where his heart wanted to be, as we discussed in all these episodes, right? He left Missouri. He's like, I'm going to L.A. This is the thing. But I got to ask you, is it the same now as it was back then? We profile all these people who got famous 30 years ago before the internet. So is it the same situation now? Do you have to leave? Think about this. People say it's who you know. I think you leave to go somewhere to build relationships. So if you can build or if you can be a ninja at building relationships online, I don't think you have to, but there, there's a different skill set there with getting in the digital rooms versus getting in the real rooms. You know what I mean? What do you think? I agree. If I'm really trying to connect with someone because I want to collaborate with them or something, I'll try to find an excuse to meet them in person. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I talked to that guy on Zoom versus, oh, I had lunch with that guy. Different sort of connection but you're 40 i think do you think it's different for younger people do you think they have the same mentality of like being in the same room that we do that's a good question (laughs) if they don't know are you asking do you need to move i think that's what you're trying (laughs) no i'm just i know we we talk about it a lot and i I just wonder if your if your answers changed like is is okay in this particular case like i don't think you can you could get where he got without moving to la he's the biggest movie star on the planet (laughs) but i guess i was asking in general for me i want to stay close to atlanta it came up the other day about not being near atlanta and about freaked out because the people if anything else it's not that you can't make it somewhere else i get really inspired being around people who are doing what i want to do if they're not in my God, you're so distracting with that microphone. If they're not in my area, it's it's hard for me to stay focused. You know, 
I was listening to, I wouldn't say a friend, but an acquaintance, a guy I worked with once. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast a while back. So it's fun. It's fun to see people grow. Like I've kind of like watched his career from this to that kind of thing. Right. And they were talking about like, he's, he's got viral videos on YouTube. He's got a huge platform and, uh, but he was complaining to Joe. He's like, I, I just, I want to get something on TV. I want to, you know, traditional media. And Joe's like, you, you don't need to, you don't, this doesn't exist anymore. Or, or, but I get that it's like, is is in, he grew up watching TV. Like there's this validation that involved, like I think like, I've made it because I'm on the same network that I used to watch the whole improvement on in the nineties. So this changes what it means to make it. If you think about it as a creator, because used to, it would be getting on Jimmy Carson or getting on this station or whatever. Now we're having to measure it differently. And we know that views and all that doesn't necessarily mean anything or equate to dollars or people even know who you are. So I think creatives, I know myself, are very confused about what does successful mean now when there's not one path. Well, the, what do you, how do you define success these days? I guess everyone has a different answer to that, right? But like... It, Brad Pitt. I suppose so. But even like comedians and stuff like that, like you, you've, you're on The Tonight Show, you've made it. 30 years ago, but that's not a thing anymore. I didn't find anywhere that he wanted to be successful or wanted to be a movie star. The only thing that I found that hinted towards vision was his desire to be in another world, shake things up, experience stuff, and act. But there was no, like, he didn't seem like he had that drive that Will Smith had where it's like fame or bust. Do you ever, do you think he has like a, a mentality of like, I've been given this gift of being 11 out of 10. Not everyone has this. In fact, nobody has this other than me. I can't let it go to waste. I need to be in the public eye. I don't, I, I can't imagine growing up. And I know we're talking about his looks a lot, but I mean. <laughs> we gotta get away from the looks because he's super talented at what he does, his craft. He's easily one of the best in the world at what he does. But we can't get over the fact that this man is converting heterosexual men to want to put up posters of him in his bedroom. Oh, I mean, him and like Margot and God, J-Lo is I'm obsessed with her. But like, imagine your entire life, you're probably told, God, you're, you know, you're this and you're that and you're this and that. I can't imagine it. There isn't some kind of pressure to want to do something with it. Like if you wanted to be an accountant, but you're always told you're hot and you should be a model. Like, do you feel like, oh, maybe I should be? It's that's how I got into acting, and it's I'm not comparing myself to Brad Pitt in the slightest. But an agent approached me. It's usually the other way around, right? They're they're like you look like you could probably get some roles. So can I represent you? Kind of thing. Yeah, Is that like, shocking to you, or were you like I know? I've already, but I was already in the entertainment business, so not like it was they dragged me into it. But it was, but, but it's a definite thing. Like I think it's it's marketability. I think talent is it worth more in the long run or for longevity and stuff like that? But I think that looks will definitely get an extra eyeball on you. Yeah. I think it's cool that you went to acting class. You spent several years doing that and learning the craft. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, his first acting class was several movies in after Titanic, which is wild. But he put in the time and the dedication to actually learn acting. He started off in commercials. He was in sitcoms. It's just the normal trajectory of all these actors commercials, TV, then film. That's the way that it works. At least it did back in the 80s and 90s. But he's picking up steam. He's picking up fame. What do you think is like kind of the 
next big turning point for him where he went into A-list? That would have been like seven, maybe. And I, I, I agree with you that like this, everything you just, all the aforementioned facts you just mentioned are like, it reminds me of the Leo episode where we see these like larger than life guys now, but you forget that they were on commercials. They were on like these shows that don't even exist anymore. They were on, they were, they were doing the hustle because they had to be, they had to get somewhere they had to be seen, right? And so it's, and I, I have not heard of any of these movies he's been in or these, these, anything before like A River Runs Through It. I've never heard of any of this stuff, but like he did it. He was on these, these soap operas and everything else and cutting his teeth, right? Like I don't think anyone gets plopped out of obscurity from the University of Missouri to, to be, you know, leading role in a film, right? Well, if he, and I, I hate, hate to keep, you brought it up, but comparing creatives then versus creatives now, the longevity of projects has changed so much where I don't know how long this stuff ran or how much it was seen, but his first thing was like a Doritos commercial. I didn't, I didn't know that. I just saw it today. It was very, very humorous, but I feel like we have a lot more weight now when we put out work because with the internet and et cetera, we're like, this is going to be here forever. Right. It's going to be seen forever. It could be evergreen. It could go viral in five years. You never right. know, right? And so there's almost this preciousness with a lot of creatives where they're like, I want to be in this top-notch stuff that shines a light on me really well. Realistically, it's hard to do that if you're a nobody. But also, too, if you do shitty projects, it could be seen forever. Right. <laughs> but I don't, right. I, mean, I don't know. We'd have to go back and see if he was shitty back then, like, cause he's not, I guess no one comes out of the gate, super acty guy either. I, I, it even comes up in, in, in the critics even said so like his, okay. The thing that put him on the map, let's just say to answer your question from earlier was probably Thelma and Louise, but he had like a minor role in that. Right. But it, it got eyeballs on him. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And it kind of put him in the, uh, that was his first role at, that labeled him as like a sex symbol, yeah. which is bizarre. Cause like, you know, and so that's, so he started getting roles that, that would kind of accentuate those, those features of his, right? So it got him, they, they, they got thrown into this role, A River Runs Through It, which a Ridley Scott movie, I believe. And he said it was his, his worst work. Like he didn't like the way he, he portrayed himself and things like that, but it, but it got huge acclaim. So isn't that the thing where like the thing you think sucks is always the best thing? Yes, and the thing that sucks sometimes leads to a relationship that leads you to something that doesn't suck. So I don't know. I think there's there's a balance. I've had some managers and agents say, take everything, get everything, do everything, have no boundaries <laughs> because right. you just need to be in the room. And then other people say that's a sword. Slave move? It's a lack mentality. And you need to have desperation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you need to be really selective. I think I've fall more on the line of the selective part than the other one. Like I had, I had, I think I told you this. I had one role that was mine, but it was something that I'm like, I don't want my daughters one day to see me in that role. Right. So can't do it. Sorry. <laughs> now, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, would you? But I'm also old as hell. At what level would you compromise? Okay, you really want to be an actress. Like hypothetically, this is let's say this is your your thing. What opportunity would 
allow you to compromise your morals. Well, this story, I didn't feel like did serve humanity being told. There wasn't a lot of connection to it. So I think for me, it's less about what you do as an actor and actress and more about the project as a whole. Is this something that you are proud to tell and think is good? And so for me, I didn't want to do what they were asking me to do at all. But also, I didn't think this thing should probably be published. <laughs> okay, so. let's just say it was directed by Ridley Scott and they were going to give you $500,000 to do this. Would you do it? Or is that still against your, I guess, the same project? My kids ask me these dumb questions all the time. It's like, would you eat this many hot dogs for X amount of dollars? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a, I'm baiting you with these questions. Like, where's the line? $500,000. Man, I would tell you what it is, but I'd have to cut out stuff because it's really <laughs> gruesome. Probably, damn, I don't know, dude. Cussing, and I might show a little bit of nipple, but that's it. I'm not going any further than that. Way worse than that. Way worse. I've had to do that for 500000 No, I'm joking. Um, I don't know, man. I, it would be one of those, really have to sit down and think about it. But what about you? Would you do anything for fame? <laughs> I know that you threw it. I agree with you. I feel like it, who's behind this film or who's behind this project and do I trust them and their reputation to attach their name to something that's going to be crap or not? Yeah. So like, let me give you an example. Titanic. Homegirl shows her boobs. Probably not the most flattering thing to do in your life unless you want to go that route. But the story of Titanic, like there's, there's something about like, that was a very intimate interesting scene and so it wasn't trashy and the titanic was an incredible story so it's a little bit different than why am i having this conversation this is so okay weird. but also it's titanic with like the biggest director in the world and it's tasteful it, it but there's there's all that clout around it as well but if someone cast her to do titanic the musical in some local theater but you gotta show your boobs do you think she would say yes no <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> This is the best conversation. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You have to look at the project as a whole, and I'm sweating right now. But anyways, would you show your boobs? Would you do it? 500000 Would I show my boobs for 500000 Yes. I'd show it for 10000 Woo! <laughs> Y'all heard it here. Okay, so he starts leveling up and leveling up the roles that he's getting. He's becoming an A-list celebrity at this time. Insane opportunities this is in the 90s at this point do we want to go ahead and get into when he met jen or are we anything else to share there in just a sec i want to talk about interview with a vampire because he was in a cast mm -hmm. with like tom cruise christian duns christian slater antonio banderas and it was poorly received and the problem here was that uh he was boring because like no one could picture him with any sort of adversity it's just like there was no inner torment or even self-awareness and I think the audience needs to see some sort of a vulnerability. And I, I totally see that. They, they want to see someone with flaws, right? Right. I heard that he hated the film and didn't want to do it. But after the script was changed, he was bound. I forgot how many millions of dollars, but he kind of had like a bad attitude about it. He had to stay in like the dark for like six months and do this painful stuff with his eyeballs and contacts and he just hated the script he hated the physical experience so he just kind of like half-assed it apparently but 
But I, I think know. that was the catalyst that kind of led to him being him growing as an actor because then he started taking roles specifically that were damaged, like like Seven or or, mm-hmm. or these things that it gave him more layers to to work with as an actor. So it kind of it got him away from just being this pretty vampire to like a damaged character that he, that would take the attention away from his looks a little bit. We say damaged, she mean grittier. Yeah, like in Thelma and Louise, he was literally just a the love interest, like a pretty guy. That and that was his, the whole purpose of him being in that film. Whereas now, like even nowadays, when he's playing like leading roles, like he's got layers to the characters. He can pick and choose any any role he wants these days. So he probably does that because he he's trying to challenge himself as an artist as opposed to I just need money. Yeah, I forgot what film it was that he voluntarily chipped his tooth. To play the character, do you know which one that was? No. Let me ask ChatGPT real quick. Oh, it was, uh, sorry, no, it was uh, 12 Monkeys. 12 yeah. Monkeys? Are you thinking, yeah. that, that's not a movie, 12 Monkeys. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was, it was the one with Bruce Willis. Oh, I think you're right. Damn it, I hate when you're right. No, it was yes. Fight Club. Fight Club. Brad Pitt oh, okay. chipped his tooth <laughs> while filming the 1994 movie Fight Club. There's a scene in the movie where his character hits himself in the face, and Brad actually chipped his tooth during the filming of that scene, as I guess it was an accident. However, he decided to keep the chipped tooth as he thought it gave his character more of a rugged and authentic look. I can see that. But, I mean, like, so to me, that says he's not super, I'm sure he has a lot of ego, but not so much ego that he wouldn't be willing to sport a chipped tooth for, because that's several months in a film that you're going to do that. And later on, too, in other films, he's let people physically punch him. Seven, that came out, 1995. He played with Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, which, side note, you know him and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow were a thing? I did. Oof. You talk about some pretty-ass babies would have been them, because I have a crush on her, too. But anyway, he played Seven. Have you seen that? I did. So the specifically the scene where like he's, he's, do I shoot the guy at the end or do I not? He finds his wife's head in the thing. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think character, that, w- that was the thing that put him in on the map as far as like, oh my God, this guy can act. Let's put him in every cool movie for the next 20 years. Yeah. It says that he expresses intent during this film to move on from the quote, pretty boy thing and play someone with flaws, just what you were saying. So I guess he had a little bit of chip on his shoulder saying, I'm more than my body. Right. So in the comedy world, people say it's like you're, you're, they want to see someone that they want to root for the underdog, right? So if you don't show any of your flaws, then like they don't laugh, but they don't, they're not on your side fully committed. You know what I mean? In, in comedy, I never thought of this, but do pretty people have a harder time because they aren't as relatable? Like we expect. Kind of. Like if I want to show with like, People who have legitimate, like there's, I don't know, I, kept, I did a, a pretty diverse show recently where like the person before me was was trans and they, they their whole thing was on on that and, and what they've had to overcome being a trans person. Then the next person after that was indigenous and, and their history and, and growing up with that. And then I get up there and I'm like, Barista spelled my wrong name on the cup and, you know, it's just like this. I don't have a lot to compete with here. So, I, you know, I, I, it was a struggle bus a little bit. But I think people generally, yeah, they, they you, you need to show them that you have a little bit of a flaw or a vulnerability or just get, it makes you more relatable. 
Okay, so you have jokingly said before that your biggest adversity outside of the tornado was someone stealing your bike at yoga class or something like that. Is that a bit or are you dead serious? Spin class. No one uses bikes at yoga. Is it a joke or is that it? I never that was know. a joke because I, I almost died in a tornado. And so that was up. So the joke was that up until that point, my only adversity was someone almost stole my bike in spin class. I just basically tried to think of the, the dumbest adversity possible. I seriously believed you. I was like, <laughs> no, not her. <laughs> All right. So moving on. What do, these, what, do, what do people do with this much money? Every film, it's like, <laughs> And he got $30 million for this. God, like, anyway. Okay, you want to get into the Jen stuff now? Oh, boy. Jen. We, we, we could talk all day about every movie he created after this and how it just got better and better and he somehow got more handsome and handsome. But, like, but we, let's jump into to relationships. Did 90s. you see the Friends episode he was on? Oh, yeah, I've seen all the Friends episodes. I'm not like most people. I don't think Friends is the greatest show ever, but it's good. Jen. You character. Oof. Impossible. I would say either, I think women would be Jen or Monica. Probably Jen. And then men. I, Ross. I, I was just going to say Ross. I think I have the biggest crush on him. <laughs> you know that Ross was the guy that got them all raises? Really? I think there was one particular season where he was like a big focal point and he was kind of like, he had, he had the most clout for some reason at the time. And, and he's like, guys, come join me. I will walk if if necessary. But you guys, you know, well, collaborate as one. And, and yeah, so they all got, after whatever the negotiation that was, they all got a million an episode, which at that time was unheard of. It's insane. But you know him and Jen were a thing right before Brad. Yeah. Did you see the recap? Oh, I saw the recap. Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Anyway, they got set up on a blind date. Brad and Jen, and he, I don't know, they both just completely fell in love. They were like a perfect match, it seems like. Everybody, I mean, A, they're gorgeous, but also, too, their personalities, from everything I've seen, is just matchy-match. He was he was enthralled with her. Enthralled. So then what happened with the next relationship? You have to, you have to ruin, you have to ruin this sweet story by bringing this mess into it. Well, apparently they cast Gwyneth Paltrow first for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And they were like, oh, we don't want to do that to Brad. So they cast Jolie. And they're opposites. They're not, I feel like him and Jen were matched like twins. And the uh, Jolie and him were like complete opposites. She's a little more gritty. She likes guns. She had a bad past. And he's like Mr. Vegas. That is the adventure he was looking for because this is what the hard part about it is Jen was about to slow down her career and wanted to start having babies. And after he was over with that film, they were going to go on a trip together. And we know what happens when you go on trips together. But instead, he came back from the film and had a new woman. Oh, yeah. Did you see that movie, though? Holy smokes. I haven't seen it. Mr. and Mrs. Smith? No, I haven't. Is it good? Bro. Bro. I'll watch it. What's your, I know everybody always talks about this, but your opinion on all that. What is my opinion on all that? It's maybe, okay, let's Maybe the decision was, he, he always had this sort of thing, like instead of playing the safe route in, in Missouri, he decided to just drop out of university and go to LA. And so instead of the safe route with Jen, let's go with this crazy person and see how that goes. And adopt crazy. like seven kids. She's not crazy. She's just lively. 
and they stayed together for a long ass time. I think they were married 10 years, adopted a bunch of kids. They did a lot of good philanthropic type work, but all that not to take away from Jen, who I'm a huge fan of. I think she's a complete badass. But anyways, that did happen, and he just keeps making movies. I don't think either decision was wrong. I mean, I think they, regard, you know, both of them were just different paths. They all live okay. in the same place. You know, they have great kids, and they all seem happy now. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did, Jolie and him did end up getting divorced later. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Maybe we'll save that for our therapy. For that conversation, <laughs> see our Jesus episode, episode 22. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, we can go through the whole list of everything that happened with him since then. I mean, obviously, nod to World War Z. That is the best film he was ever in. I love that film so much. You feel a suspense? No. But <laughs> what do you think is his X Factor, looking at his life, looking at his career, unless there's anything else you want to... Before I ask what the X Factor is, do you think he would be where he is now without the looks? Obviously, he can act. Obviously, he can do everything he does. Do you think that he would be... He would command this $30 million a movie thing? There are other actors and actresses who do, and they don't look like him. So I, I don't... Would he be there? He could. Did it give him a lot of opportunities, especially in the beginning? Of course. I hear in interviews and from other people that like it's he's easily one of the nicest and most charismatic, charming people ever. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those soft skills go a long way in creating opportunities for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. when you walk into, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's like Zoom versus in person. Like when he walks into a casting room or a meeting he can charm just about anybody to get the roles that he wants or convince them that he's the right part for this role that they might not see at the beginning. Yeah, I had written down charisma, not looks. I think he's the looks to help with the charisma, but I feel like we have to look at what tools are in our hand and then go to town on those tools. You know, like some, some people are more attractive, some people are more naturally charismatic or funny. What are you bent towards? I think you have to have all of that. What was the other person we profiled where they had all the stuff, but like we think it's their, it was their charisma that really drove it home. I don't remember who it was. but I said, I Jesus, that, that was my X <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, you did because he was, he just, he commanded attention when he was trying to deliver his message. Yeah, yeah. I, I think charisma is probably one of the most interesting things to study because it can literally bend people's perception of you, even if you're not rich or attractive or whatever. If you can master charisma. And it's controllable, too. It's just something that you can control. Like It comes naturally to some people. It might be confidence because you grew up the most handsome child in the world, as he probably did. But if it didn't come natural to you, then I think it's a skill that you could learn and develop. How do you develop it? I think you naturally just develop it over time if you're in sales, for example. It's like, how do I get no's to yeses outside of sales? I don't, you know, I don't know how you would practice it, I guess, but winning plans and influencing people. I'm about to reorder that because I haven't read it in years and I want to, I want to relearn it. I think, I know it comes down to really getting comfortable in your skin because people are not going to be drawn to you if you're not first drawn to yourself. Like there has to be a level of inner work that's done there, especially if you don't outwardly look the way that you want to look. People are drawn to confidence. Yeah, you don't have to look like Brad, but if you're if you're self-confident, then that makes you prettier than ever, right? I don't know. This, is, this one was a hard one for me. I love him and I respect the hell out of his work and 
Lord Jesus, but as far as like applying it to your own life and stuff, there wasn't a lot for me personally outside of he, the themes we've always seen, moving, change, being willing to adjust, collaboration. He did a ton of freaking collabs, his willingness to play a bunch of different roles and not put himself in a box. Oh, one thing we didn't mention is he also created a production company. Why do all these people make production companies? <laughs> they do Plan B Entertainment. He actually worked with that with Jen at the beginning where they produced their own films and stuff. So he had a little bit of business acumen too. Yeah, it seems like the thing to do, if once you have like enough power or thing, you know, the ability to move things yourself, then, then why not, right? Because then you could take a little bit more of the pie as some folks do. You know, you probably get bored, too, because when you reach a certain mountain, you're like, what do I do now, you know? Exactly. Yeah. What about you? What What is your big Brad? How do I apply it in my own life? I would say moisturize. Which you do. I do. I do. But I, the thing that got me, like, to the next level of moisturizing was, was a video. It was like a TikTok with Brad Pitt. He's like, I put on my suntan lotion in the morning, and then I put on some serum, you know, to moisturize and hydrate my face and then I don't deal with any of that. I can't do the morning thing, but before bed, like I'll, I'll throw on some, some, an extra layer just to, you know, just to get me through the night. But I, I feel like my skin is, is more hydrated than it, than it usually is. That's your takeaway? Yeah. Moisturize. Right. There's also, I'll comment one more thing about him. There's also a level, and I saw this in Margot too, a level of mystery with some of these people where they keep dissonance between them and their fans. You don't really know much about them. And bringing it up again, but Robert Greene, 48 Laws of Power, one of his principles in there is dissonance, where we keep a level of mystery. People are more curious about you. And I think these A-list celebrities, maybe we won't see it moving into the future with social and stuff. The people who have a line drawn in the sand, right? Leo, he's a great example of that. He's not on social media. Brad's like that. I think it's an interesting note. But is there, the landscape is changing. I remember having, we talked about it in the Jamie Foxx episode where he was trying to do the music thing and he was going to release an album. He did. And then he was going to disappear and then release one two years later. But his daughter's like, that doesn't how it works. Yeah. It's not how it works anymore. You got to let people see behind the curtain. He's like, yeah. what? No, I'm going to be anonymous. Like, no, no, no. You got to let people see what's going on. Yeah. So do you think that's, it's impossible to do that these days. I do. I do. Because one of, you know, Robert, he's older and not on social much and stuff. But I was listening to one interview and somebody asked him about social media. And he's like, yeah, I think it's a good idea for just to go several weeks or maybe even a couple months without posting anything. And I'm like, you could probably do that if you're Taylor Swift and like see some results there. But regular folks who are trying to build something, I don't think that's the best advice. Yeah. It sounds I've, lovely, though, doesn't it? Can you imagine? It. I so I. I always my goal with like six, six stories, for example, on IG. It's like I always try to post at least one more thing before the twenty four hours is up, so I never have stories that aren't somewhat in rotation. And then like it was like a week ago, I just I let it lapse, and then like once it was lapsed for a day, I'm like, let's just push another day. So it was like two days were no stories. It felt it felt it felt good. Yeah, I don't know why we do what we do. It's such a weird thing to say. I can't even say, I guess I've really even talking about that. Normal people are like, just don't post. It's a, it's a weird thing. A weird thing. That only Heather and I can understand, I guess. But it's, you you feel, it feels like you're, even though it may not be doing anything, like it feels like you're doing something. You feel useful. Yeah. 
Oh, God, I could talk to you about that for an hour, but I won't because it has nothing to do with this show. I'll spare all of you. Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy? Brad Pitt, we love you. You're pretty and talented and good luck in life as you turn 60 this year. 60 years old, man. Where do you want to be when you're 60? I want to be where Brad Pitt is. I often think about that. Like, I, I'm, I, I do try. I'm very future-oriented, I can't, and I wish I was more present, to be honest with you. So I often do think about, like, how I want to my life to look when I'm, when I'm that age, that's not old though. Like I'm, I'm thinking like more like 70 and stuff like that, but like at 60, I still want to be doing what I am now more or less. You know, God willing, we have a lot left in us because you think about you're in your early forties. I'm in my late thirties. If even if we're 20 years from now, which is a huge ass chunk of life, we're just getting to Brad Pitt's age. Yeah. We have a lot left. I know. I can't wait. But they say like we've everything we've accumulated so far, or the the skills or, or talent or anything. Like this is now the time where the fruits come to fruition. I hear again. I listen to a lot of podcasts with with comedians stuff like that, and like most of their the best part of their career is like their forties because they've gone through all the BS, and now they it's time to they really have the momentum going. Well, and you know who you are better now, right? Like you feel more comfortable with skin. You know what you want. Man, by 20, I know this is everybody's experience. Like, what the hell was I thinking? What was I thinking? I don't know. Yeah. I had this conversation earlier today. It's like, I, like, were you always this go, 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 go? And I was like, I, I look at myself in my teen years. Like, I wish I had time back so I could use some of that time. <laughs> I, just, I didn't, I, just, I wasted a lot of it just being a teenager. I don't think I was doing anything wrong. Yeah. But it's weird. I don't know what happened. Like it was like early 20s is when everything shifted. Yep. Yep. So next 20 years, we can just fight for what we want and be more focused. Do you think you'll get to a point where you can shut it down? You know, all these people who can't retire because they just, they want to feel useful forever. Or is there going to be a point where you can, I fear that. (laughs) This is my vision and we'll see what happens. I want to really have as much adventure as I can for the next 20 something years and travel and just make things and put it out when I get old and I'm cute and old and got a little cardigan it's gonna be great I have it all planned out I really <laughs> want know, it's picked out already for your oh, own yeah you know you, you know those those women who have little cardigans and those little dresses and they have cookies that's that'll be me but I think late into life I want to write when I just write be one of those people who just like write these books and they it gets turned into a movie, and I'll go to the premiere with my cookies. And like, do why why write? Like, why why not now? Well, I am writing now, but I think I, I want to settle down more, and because then you think about at that point the sourced material and the perception you have at that age is going to be so different. Reflecting back, so I think that's what I'll probably do. Well, it sounds lovely. Do you think the landscape is, you think you still have your foot on the gas or the finger on the pulse, I guess, at that age? If you look at like people who, people in their 60s now trying to like figure out how TikTok works. It's like I was a movie producer in the 80s, so I know how this works. Like it's completely different now. <laughs> you have to wrap your head around something completely new. I don't know. I'm friends with this one lady and she's 62 and she's the coolest person I've ever met in my life. And she, she gives me hope for getting older because she tells me, she's like, Heather, this is my favorite time of life. She goes, I don't give a shit what people think about me. I don't care anymore. She's like taking, what's that, that big, well, it's like your guitar, but it's bigger. It's like a violin and you, what's Hello. the thing? She's taking lessons for that. And she posts on it on 
Facebook every day, just like the new thing she learned. <laughs> and she just, she, her and her partner, because she just says, I don't do things, I, I do partners now. Her and her partner, every year they take two months and they just go live on the beach. No reason. They just go do it and they come back home. So I don't know, man. I don't know what life's going to be like back then, but I, I want to change the narrative in my own head of like, it's going to be bad being old one day because it'll be what we make it. I think I'm going to be sore, but I'll be happy. Because you play so much pickleball. Yeah, pickleball injuries, you know, <laughs> here to accumulate over the years. What will you be doing at 60? I'm trying to, again, like, I think it'll be a lot like it is now. Like I already spend a lot of time in the South for the winter months and, and I'm already kind of doing what I, I if, if I had all the money in the world right now, I'd still probably be trying to do the same thing. So I don't know how it would be different. I would just try to amplify whatever I'm doing now. But you'll be on TikTok. If TikTok still exists in the, in the 2042 or whatever. Y'all, <laughs> what will you be doing when you're 60? Find us on Instagram <laughs> at Celeb Self Help and let us know. Anything else, friend Rory Gardner? I got nothing. Goodbye. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to Celebrity Self-Help. Please leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show. And we're also on Instagram at Celeb Self-Help. You can always send us a message and let us know who we should cover next. My hands tremble with anticipation Waiting on you to arrive I read the books Asked all the questions, but I still don't have a clue. But I can't wait to take this roller coaster ride with you. Baby steps, we'll learn as time goes by. You're looking at the world's most anxious guy. It's new for you and me, we don't know what to expect. We'll get through it together in baby steps. Your mom's driving me crazy. You know she feels the same. Just the thought of you makes me smile, even though I don't know your name. Got these tears building up in my eyes, but not because I'm sad. This is gonna be a ton of fun for a first time dad. Baby steps, we'll learn as time goes by. We're looking at the world's most anxious guy. It's new for you and me. Expect, but we'll go through it together in baby steps. You're gonna grow up, and one day leaving is gonna be tough on your mom and me. We picture you growing into scary concept. Get through it together in baby steps. As time goes by, you're looking at the world's most anxious guy. Want the world for you, and that's what you'll get. We'll. Go
Baby steps.